1: Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. Powered by EP Wealth.
2: Inflation being higher than recent normals and uh, lower rates becoming higher rates. A lot going on. A lot with your retirement. 2022, at one of the recent events, Chad said, wasn't the best year to retire. Is 2023 in retirement better, Chad, versus 2022?
3: Well, it depends on how much you have to transition your portfolio. So, if you're, you know, going from, oh, what does transition your portfolio I mean? So, you transition your portfolio really should start with you know, an eye for ten years away from your retirement. Okay. You go from, you know, honestly, I don't. I think that having even when you're younger, you know, five or ten percent exposure to some bonds is okay because that way, if the market drops, you have something that you could sell to buy more stocks at a at a bargain discount. Um, but I don't care how somebody, if they're fairly aggressive throughout their retirement until they hit 10 years from retirement, then they have to have this, this thing in their head that they says, okay, by the time I retire in 10 years, how am I going to get to a portfolio where I have not expenses, but two to three years worth of portfolio draws in safe money. And then the rest of my portfolio is fairly balanced, whether it's like, you know, something like 50% growth, uh, 40% bond, 10% alternatives, kind of a s- scenario. And, and that that takes a transition. It's a much easier way to transition to that portfolio over time and start adding to the asset classes that you're missing versus, hey, I'm 64 years old, I better sell a bunch of stocks, buy a bunch of bonds and, and create some cash. Well, what if when you're 64 years old and you're getting ready to retire to do that, Both the stock and bond market is down and you're selling to do all this stuff. Um, So it's all about the sequence of returns and the order of stock market returns and how that affects your results. So the order of stock market returns
2: um, and we say the markets are up seven out of 10 years. Is that part of what we need to get right? when we do our jump into retirement or should it be more
3: of a, a walk into retirement versus a jump it should be a walk into retirement okay. especially over you know maybe a a a speed walking race between okay. five years to retirement I'm <laughs> and with really moving moving your hips really funny but you're getting to that <laughs> that point where you're getting there is that still an olympic sport i don't know but it just kind of the, the old visuals just popped into my mind as i said that those are always really funny to watch Entertaining for sure. What else do we need
2: to know? Um, Like, bonds are doing well this year. Is now the year to lock in everything that we can lock in? Because I am hearing some chatter about people trying to say, you know, this is it. This is my time to be safe for a long period of time.
3: Well, I mean, right now we've got bonds that have maturities of two years or less, you know, four to 4.8%. And the reason why you don't want to lock all of your money there is because. In two years, if interest rates are a lot lower because the Fed's had to turn around and fight a recession, you have a huge amount of reinvestment risk, right? You, if you would have locked in some of your money at the longer end of the curve, and when I say that, instead of just one to two-year bonds, you bought some, you know, ten-year bonds, and maybe the rates a little lower. But when the Fed reduces rates to fight an in inflation, the face value of those bonds go up and you can have a larger total return. So you still need to go for that total return place. Not all of your money in short-term bonds right now. I think that would be a mistake. It's a very diversified bond portfolio. And they're for those people that have over a million dollars invested, carving some of that out to buy individual bonds is key. Just like I think for larger portfolios above $2 million, having alternative investments, whether it's direct lending, real estate, um, you know... Private equity and those things is also important. The idea of sequence of returns, Rob, is, is 2022 is a perfect example where stocks and bonds can go down together. So the first step in fighting sequence of returns is a very detailed cash flow model that says, these are all my spe- expenses. This is my income from Social Security and pensions, my income from dividends and interest. How much principal do I need to draw every year out of my portfolio to survive and I want two to three years worth of that in safe, safe money so that I can fight a year like 2022 when stocks and bonds are down at the same time. It doesn't happen often, but when it does, if you draw when they're both down, the math can really work against you for the next couple of decades.
2: We've got some nice downloadables at Chadburton.com and people can go to Chadburton.com and find your podcast as well as sign up for the event on May 25th. Um, one of the events that you have on there, and I'm interesting to see how this is aging, preparing for the Biden administration market outlook webinar. You ever think about going back and re-listening to that to see how it's going it, to in some ways it is, you know, clairvoyancy. It is, you know, using your ESPN to figure out the future. And I know it's not ESPN, it's ESP.
3: Um, I don't know if I did that one. It might be a link to something that uh, Adam Phillips, our portfolio strategist, did back then. That's funny that that's still up. Yeah,
2: that that would be kind of interesting. Uh yeah, it was Adam Phillips, you're right. So um he's someone I talked to and you could find me and him talking to each other on YouTube channel, Rob Black Show. But there's also an article on investing in women, thriving in times of change, and we just went through women's uh month and now we're in financial literacy month and the different months continue to roll on in our lives.
3: But we all retire and we all die. So any final thoughts in this segment? If you have a, a, especially a daughter that's going to college, have them look at personal financial planning degree programs. Um, not, not a ton have them, but when they do, the hire rate is very high. The opportunities are extremely high and there's a a big push, especially at EP wealth for advocacy and and getting women into our business. So huge opportunities
2: there. Something I've always wanted and uh, we are seeing a lot more of it. And EP has a, a huge bench of talent and, uh, more often than not, I get women CFPs on the show, and I, I dig it because it's a different resource. Uh, well, thanks very much, Chad. People can find you on your podcast and as well as on air. It's easier to find the podcast, I would imagine. It's a new focus on wealth. You can find it at Spotify or Apple iTunes um, or anywhere you get your podcasts consumed.
1: This interview featured on The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more at robblack.com. I'm Rob Black
2: talking all things financial, money, investing and more. Today is Tau Day. It's a celebration of the circle constant formula founded in 2010 the Tau Manifesto. Tau takes place annually on June 28th. Its introduction is the true circle constant has a, had a significant impact on geek culture, including changing the time of day MIT announces its admissions decisions. Being featured in the official Google calculator and being supported by a large number of computer programming languages, including Microsoft.net, Julia, Rust, and Python. Um, my son knows a little bit of Python, so i proud of him. That's not the easiest thing to re- get in through. Billionaire Ron Investor said something fascinating yesterday that I want to re-talk about. Because this is a great investment lesson. We're gonna do a little investment strategist right now. Billionaire investor, Ron Barron says, inflation will propel major stock gains in the coming decades, but everything will be twice as expensive. He told CNBC yesterday that the Dow could surpass 900,000 in 50 years, and all that is is basically doubling every 7.2 years. It's basically doing what it's historically done for the last 100. So when you look at that story and go, let's see, where's the Dow today? 33000 he's calling for 900000 Hmm. He's not crazy because if you do the math, he's just telling you what historically we've done. He thinks inflation will drive up the price of everything and companies will become more profitable because of it. He says, yes, there's wars going on, recessions, pandemics over the last several decades. He says stocks were 34 times their value in 1970. Growth has also soared during that period. Gp GDP notching twenty six trillion last quarter. Last quarter, up from one trillion in the year nineteen seventy. So he's just saying this is what I'm seeing. This is the math that's been there. He says if you own stock for the next fifty years, you should have thirty five times your money. That means the Dow, which is now at thirty four thousand, would be all the way up to nine hundred thousand if it notched at least seven percent annual growth. He thinks everything's going to be more expensive in 14, 15 years. Maybe it'll go a little bit lower, but it's not going to stay lower. Prices have clocked in on the CPI at 4%, down from a 41-year high in the middle of last year, but still well above the Fed's 2% target. Investors are pricing a 72% chance of recession later this year. No, 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 72% chance of a 25 basis point hike. I didn't sleep well last night. I'm sorry. Um, I like Ron Barron. When he talks, I listen. And when he says, basically, when Coca-Cola was making Coca-Cola in the 1970s, they made a little bit for every soda they sold. Now, because of efficiencies and price rate hikes, they're making a lot more money because their commodity costs aren't a lot much more money. Very interesting theory. And I don't think he's crazy. Um, Ron Marin also says buy growth stocks because they help protect against inflation. I agree with that. So the United States government is telling NVIDIA, you really shouldn't be sending AI chips to China. So don't do it. NVIDIA is down 4% today on that news. We're going to hear some monetary policy views today from leading central bankers, including Fed Chair Powell. He's on a panel discussion at the ECB's Central Banking Forum, who the ECB said yesterday, don't really look for interest rate hikes, cuts, interest rate. not I said that wrong. See, I'm tired. Interest rate hike cuts. Interest rate cuts from us for at least two years. Don't price them in. They're talking a tough game. But if a recession comes, oh, they're going to pull the hikes, uh, the cuts out quickly. Later today, after the market closes, there's the annual bank stress test results. That's pretty geeky stuff. That's at 1.30 Pacific time. It's good if you want to see the banks are doing well, but I can't imagine many of my listeners tuning in for that release. The Mortgage Bankers Association said their index was up 3% week over week, bolstered by a 3% jump in both purchase and refinancing. Who's refinancing at these levels? That's fascinating to me. Maybe it's uh, a three-year arms and five-year arms. that got smacked with a higher interest rate environment. General Mills had lackluster volume and weaker than expected sales. Those shares are down 5%. General Mills makes cereal. Not my kind of investment, but I'm not going to knock it if it's your kind of investment. There's a lingering feeling that the market's due for some consolidation after an amazing first half of the year. There's weakness in semiconductor stocks after the United States has said it's considering imposing more restrictions on AI chip exports to China. What's interesting about that is China could set up a company in India and say, uh, call it ABC Company. And they're exported out to India and then China pulls them into China. There's ways around these sanctions, and they're not really all that complicated to pull off. Um, Let's keep going. One of the stories that I'm seeing right now pretty aggressively is avoid tech in in probably the third quarter of the year. Give it some time to correct a little bit. We're finishing up the second quarter as June is wrapping up. There's a company called StoneX. They've got a chief market strategist named Catherine Vera. She believes that investors are prematurely optimistic about rate cuts. She thinks an economic slowdown is unlikely to hit until 2024, when inflation has fallen. She explained why investors should prepare for now for recession by buying underperforming sectors. I mostly agree with her, but let's get a little bit more detail from her. She says the biggest story is that the equity markets are pricing in the best possible scenario. By pricing in a very bullish scenario including prematurely expecting rate cuts she believes that investors have effectively ignored the fed's overall hawkish message about its plans to get inflation back down to two percent she thinks the u.s economy labor market and consumer activity are currently too robust to even consider easing monetary policy still more inflationary we're demanding to go on flights and we're demanding to go to hotels so they don't have to cut prices if the demand's high she says investors should buy against the current market trends. I'm not against this thought of underweighting new money into tech and overweighting new money into uh, potentially healthcare or small cap companies, um, utilities. It's a good time to start accumulating defensive positioning in sectors that have not done well year to date, she says. The recession historically sees things like consumer staple stocks, utilities, and healthcare do well. You'll want to rotate out of any speculative small cap names, just uh, kind of went along with the upright, upside in the AI rally, but she's not against small cap as a sector. She says now it's time to be defensive. I dig her saying that. Another analyst that I follow. Guy named Kevin Rendino, he believes microcap stocks are set for a huge turnaround. That's too much risk for the average person. But the way he talks about it, he really likes the Russell 2000. And he thinks investors are avoiding smaller stocks as if it's a 2008 style recession coming. 30. Smaller companies tend not to have international exposure, so they'd be exposed to the uh, recession if it happens in the United States. Um, But he's got some pretty interesting uh, picks Like Potbelly They're a sandwich shop He thinks it's going to be up big Interesting, right? A sandwich uh, a Subway uh, Sub shop It's not my kind of investment But I get it Potbelly I'm Rob Black
1: What's the best way to choose a financial advisor? Download our guide at robblack.com That's robblack.com Powered by EP Wealth
2: I don't know how much longer I'm going to be doing this, at least two and a half more years. But I'm getting to the age where I would like to find a younger, smarter, faster Rob Black, shall we call Rob Black 2.0, to take this over. But I don't know. We'll see. Um, Something that you don't realize is I've missed a lot of time with my kids in the morning. We're getting ready for camps today, and I'm on the radio um and sometimes i get a little sad about that so bud light is making my day a little bit better though and stick with me on this one i don't drink bud light i'm an ipa kind of guy um bud light's offering deep rebates on products for fourth of july wait 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 there's rebates on beer yeah making them almost free so you could almost get a free uh 18 pack 15 pack of bud light for the holiday The brand is trying to prop up sales after a boycott knocked it off its perch as America's best-selling beer. Owned by Anheuser-Busch InBev, ticker symbol Bud, B-U-D. Stock looks attractive. I'm not going to buy it, but you can take a look. I don't think it's a bad idea. Bud Light is offering a rebate of up to $15 on purchases of 15 packs. Wait, what? America's going to get drunk for the 4th of July. Get ready. So this is a 15-pack of Bud Light, Budweiser, Budweiser Select, uh, Budweiser Select 55. Rules will vary state by state, but the rebate applies to purchases between June 15th and July 8th. In some cases, a 15-pack of Bud Light sells for less than $15. Thus, that could make the beer practically free when the rebate is applied. You're going to have to mail something in, probably, or maybe you can do it online, but holy mackerel. I never thought I'd be doing that story, right? Is that fair? Um, let's see. What else do we have? Jerome Powell is a little bit of a Debbie Downer today, but not bad. He is talking about we did hold rates in June, but he says he wouldn't take future consecutive rate hikes off the table. I think there's only two more rate decisions before Halloween, which is interesting to note. Um so they want inflation to come down to 2%. That's what they're saying. That's what they're, they're standing by. Uh, and the stock market up 30% of the first half of the year in the NASDAQ and up 12% of the first half of the year on the S P and 500. It ain't making them happy. Um, I've been skimming um, some profits. And I could buy a boat. I can buy a house. I can buy a car. I can inflate the price of things. Because the stock market's done so well this first half of the year. Allbirds is doing something kind of goofy. They're trying to win back Silicon Valley with a weird sock shoe. Uh, the brand calls it the moonshot. It's a culmination of years-long effort to cut carbon from its business. Allbirds is seeking to stage a comeback, but reaction to the design online has been muted. It's a goofy-looking foot product. Um, but it shows you again... How important product is to companies. The world's first ever carbon neutral shoe. It's a space age knit boot called the Moonshot. They're hoping a lot of tech bros and finance guys talking about the shoes, comfort and eco friendliness will be enough to get it moving. I don't know. Interesting in the world of technology, Samsung is going to begin making the world's most advanced mobile chips in 2025 as the battle with Taiwan semi heats up. Uh, Listen to this. Samsung's going to begin mass production of the two nanometer process for mobile applications in 2025. That's incredibly tiny. If you go Google two nanometers. um, You go, what are they able to do with that? And um, it's all about mobile phones two nanometer process is the next metal oxide semiconductor field effect transistor die shrink after the three nanometer process is, is mastered. Um, And when you start looking at this, it's we were at five nanometers in 2020, three nanometers in 2022, two nanometers in 2024, 2025. Um, You can get much more efficient and much faster applications. So Samsung is going as far as to say, here's the roadmap Samsung has a chip manufacturing business known as a foundry. So they make semiconductors for other companies. Some companies like Qualcomm will say, hey, we got the, we could tell you what we want. We could draw a picture of it, but we don't have the the machines to make it. Samsung makes it. That's the foundry. Samsung's trying to catch up to Taiwan's semiconductor in the manufacturing process. Uh, They're big competitors. Samsung is a big diversified tech company. It's not just the phones. They're also making semiconductors. For reference, Apple's latest iPhone processor is using a five nanometer process. High performance computing refers to chips for data centers to train and deploy artificial intelligence. They're expecting the phone chips will be ready in 2025. And the high performance artificial intelligence chips in 2026 and for automotive cars in 2027. Uh, Throwing a little tech talk down on you just to say, you know, this is this is real stuff and. Companies continue to innovate. I I, when we broke the 10 nanometer. um, That flipped out a lot of people. Um, It's it's quite impressive. Transistors one atom thick and 10 atoms wide um, were made in 2008. They were carved from graphene, a potential alternative to silicon and at the basis of future computing. Graphene is a material made from flat sheets of carbon in a honeycomb arrangement. A team in Manchester, University of Manchester, they've used graphene to make some of the smallest transistors ever. Devices only one nanometer across that contain just a few carbon rings. Now, again, you're talking about one atom thick. That's If that doesn't blow your mind, I don't know. I know I probably blew your mind with some Barbie stats earlier in the show. And some Wheel of Fortune. The Wheel of Fortune stat that still gets me as the show's moved on, they had 18 million viewers a night, uh, 40 million viewers in the 1980s. That's loco. That's crazy. That's basically not 40% of a Super Bowl every night. Uh, Chuck. I used to watch when Chuck Woolery was the host. Everyone thinks Pat Sajak was the original, but it's not true. It's not true. I'm old school. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black.
1: Don't want to work forever? Check out the retirement planning guide on robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. So uh,
2: let's talk a stock idea, theme. I'm a big believer in something called total addressable market. Go look up the concept and play with it and make it your own. I think... Spotify has a large total addressable market. I think Apple's installed users on iOS has a large total addressable market. Microsoft with Windows and Office products have a very large total addressable market. Facebook, the king of social media for now. although they don't get people under 25 very well. I think Facebook and Instagram have a great total addressable market. Those are stocks that I would buy more of when they slip. But let's talk about Tesla right now. Your superchargers are a poised rule. And let's, let's play with this idea that they could become the gas station de facto standard in the United States for electric vehicles. Wow. That should have just blown your mind. They could not put every gas station out of business, but they're certainly leaning that direction for dominance in EV charging. Rivian is the third U.S. EV maker to announce that it will start using Tesla charging ports on its vehicle so owners can take advantage of Tesla's growing network of fast chargers. Fast chargers are not worth using from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Fast chargers are great from 9 p.m. to 6 a.m. or whatever the, the model breaks down best. It's cheaper. That's that's what you're trying to do is get a, a charge that's cheaper. So if I ever have to charge, I'm like, hey, honey, can I take a book and go charge for an hour? And she's like, go ahead. So I do it at night. I'm cheap. So Tesla chargers are poised to rule. That's an amazing start. Rivian, the third U.S. automaker to announce that it's going to start using Tesla charging ports. So you can take advantage of Tesla's growing fast charger networks. I live near San Rafael. And a new Tesla charger superstation just went in to uh, basically the last stop before you drive to the coast. And once you drive to the coast, there ain't no fast chargers. So for those of you who want to visit the ocean, it's a 20 minute drive, 25 minute drive. And if you miscalculate your electric vehicle, you're like, uh oh, so this is like "Ah, I can get a, a little bit of electric juice before going on that trip. So you feel a little bit safer about it. Two months ago, I had to drive four miles to a supercharger. Now it's one mile. It's a big difference. As far as convenience, the supercharger is in a mall where if I go to Safeway or CVS or grab a burger, I can charge Tesla, come out and have a full charge. Currently, there are 1800 Tesla supercharger stations across the country with California, Texas and Florida having the most 1800 of them. Okay, let's let's keep going with this. The only state with only one supercharger is Hawaii. That must be a mess. But they have so much sunshine, that's the best part about it, right? Superchargers like EV drivers recharge in as little as 30 minutes while other companies make fast chargers. Tesla's partnership should give it an edge. Because Tesla has its own connector technology, EV owners who don't have Tesla's have mostly been excluded from the network. Instead, using stations run by rivals such as ChargePoint, Electrify America, and EVgo. As Ford and Rivian announced this week that they're going to be using Tesla supercharging stations, and coming up with a converter, stocks in point Electrify American EVgo became meaningless to me. Meaningless. Speculative at best. Starting next spring, Rivian drivers will get an adapter they can use to recharge at any Tesla supercharger in 2025. Rivian will incorporate the Tesla connector, which uses its North American charging standard into new vehicles. eliminating the need for a separate adapter um so i think i've played out this concept with you do you see how this can quickly turn tesla into they sell electric vehicles but they also sell gasoline for electric vehicles and electricity it's great for the ev industry to work with one standard i don't know if they're all going to regret giving the keys to uh elon musk Rivian's announcement follows similar news from Ford and General Motors. It's a win for Tesla. Not only does it show strength of its EV charging technology, it represents a source of revenue because Tesla owns the chargers. Tesla stock has risen about 40% since the first announcement by Ford in late May. Investors love the idea for everyone, though not just Tesla. Ford shares gained 27%. GM shares rose 6% as the industry is starting to come and look more standardized. Better charging means it's easier for buyers to go electric. That's something that's very exciting and needed. The plug that's being adopted essentially will replace the so-called CCS plug, common in non-Tesla's EVs. There's one plug type in Europe, too, but the European EV industry went with a CCS plug. As far as North American EV charging standards go, Tesla is it. Investors should expect similar announcements from other automakers. A Toyota Motor spokesperson told Barron's recently in an emailed statement, um, the company has nothing to announce at this time. Toyota's working on electric vehicles aggressively, but what standard will they use? Would they be wise to go with Tesla's supercharging model, or are they going to go out on their own? I do know that Toyota stock moved aggressively higher when they said, we've got a battery technology that goes much further double what Tesla does on a single charge. Uh, one more last thing I don't want to talk about this is it's amazing how quickly EVs devalue. Um, once you've had them for a few years and the battery starts slowing and holding less charge, uh, no one wants to buy it. And it's $20,000 to swipe out the batteries in them. So not only would you be selling it used, but they'd have to go out and swipe out a battery if they want an efficient vehicle for a few years in your shell. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show.
1: For more information about EP Wealth, visit RobBlack.com. That's RobBlack.com.